Whether we're talking about the fear of failure or anything else holding you back, confidence is the key to unleashing your power. Welcome to Confident with me, Sherry West, and my fearless daughter, Olivia. Join our conversations with fierce female leaders and explore how you can become more confident. Welcome to episode 10, Curate Possibilities, sponsored by Bakewell. Welcome, welcome everyone. Well, Liv, this week I'm excited to talk about something, an experience we had recently. We had the amazing opportunity to attend Oprah's 2020 Vision Tour in New York City with special guest Michelle Obama. What an incredible day. What was your key takeaway from that? First, that Michelle Obama is my forever first lady. <laughs> yes. Um, she is so inspiring. Um, this time, she and Oprah taught uh, me that when we make wellness a priority, we're better able to show up to all areas of our lives. Yeah, it was very a personal ex- ex- yeah. exploration to really think about wellness in our lives, everything from nutrition, exercise, but also spiritual wellness, yeah. um, fulfillment of work. Um, so it really, it really was a great day of thought. It also reminded me that it's an extraordinary time to be a strong, confident woman. A hundred percent, yeah. And also not to let these things get in your way. Others, people's opinions, comparing yourself to others, and fear of failure. You know, Oprah said had a great line that really stuck with me. She said, you are going to fail. I hope you fall on your face and show them what it's like to get up again. Go again and again and again. Absolutely. And speaking of someone who has embraced failure and has <laughs> risen to the top, I'm excited to introduce today's guest, who was one of the very first mm-hmm. guests in Lip Girl yep. when we founded six years ago. So today we're entering El D'Andrea, a partner at Deloitte. And as head of financial services for Deloitte's global employer services, Elle travels the world partnering with clients, co-authoring best practices, and forging best-in-class products for Fortune 100 companies. She has spent over 75,000 hours consulting clients. Wow. Welcome to Confident, Elle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And it's so great to have yeah. you back to Live Girl. I remember that 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 moment, that, that day at that Camp Live Girl five years ago, and I'm so impressed by all the success you've achieved, and, and just thank you so much for having me back here and, and letting me be a part of your growth. Well, thank you. And part of the reason we're growing so fast is because powerful women like you yeah. believe in what we're doing and support us, so thank you. Um, my first question is, so 75,000 consulting hours, how many miles? <laughs> a lot. I actually got an email from Delta Airlines a few days ago that said, hey, Ellen DeAndre, you are in the top 20% of travelers wow. for Delta. Wow. And, and I thought, oh my God, that's so many hours, but it's good and it's bad, right? The good thing is I've earned a ton of miles. I've never had to pay for a flight for my four kids and husband to travel anywhere, so... But it does take me out of the of the home life a little bit. Right, yeah. right. But hopefully you get some airline perks, being one of their top customers. 100%. <laughs> yes, 100%. So it is so great to reconnect. And as we said, you spoke at our very first Camp Live Girl back in 2015. And the story you told at that camp has, has stayed with me. It was so powerful. And you talked about how your family immigrated from Vietnam and how you learned English and finance to help your family get a mortgage. And I'd love for you just to start from the beginning and to share that story um, with our expanded liberal audience. Uh, sure. I, um, yeah, my family and I came to America about 40 years ago. 
And uh, we escaped Vietnam by boat. I mean, I think it sounds very much like a template story that you might have heard before with, you know, other uh, immigrant families. But my iteration is slightly different in that we, we lived in Hong Kong for about a year in a refugee camp in Hong Kong. And um, we were adopted by a family from Boston. And not just me. It's my entire family, including mm-hmm. my parents. And then... They brought us to Boston, and when we arrived in Boston, we had everything we needed to be successful. We had a house, we had cars, we had toys, and um, all those wonderful things that we would have never had in Vietnam, but what we didn't have was language. And so my, my mom and dad went to night school to learn English, but of course they were older, so they didn't learn it as quickly, and I uh, was enrolled in a bilingual school where my classes were taught in English and Vietnamese and it was total immersion so that I could pick up the language right away and um, the family that adopted our family they were real estate developers Mm -hmm. they helped my father buy his first house Uh, it was actually an investment property um, I think about maybe six or seven years after we arrived in the U.S. which is pretty impressive at that stage not knowing the language not having any money but um, and the only thing was that my father didn't speak the language, so I had to learn how to negotiate with the bank. I had to learn about um, a 10-year arm and what that meant for my family, and then a 30-year fixed. I negotiated the terms of the contract, and then... Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And how old were you? I think I was, I was probably like 10. Oh my God. I was really 10. I was 10. Amazing. It, and yeah. it was, it was, um, yeah, it was kind of crazy to think back in my life. I look at my kids at 10 now. Right. They're not. <laughs> and they're playing, they're playing they're Xbox. Playing games, and I'm like, you know, and I'm like, I was negotiating contracts. And my kids are like, okay, mom, but that was you. Was years ago. Um, but yeah, but I, um, I still do that now for my parents a little bit because they get very uncomfortable, right? They never got, got over that fear of speaking the English language and feeling confident about the words they were right. using or choosing, yeah. right? So I still translate documents from them today. It's such an incredible story, though, and just about yeah. everything. Everything about that story is incredible, but the resilience and yeah. and also the fortitude of, and, you know, sometimes our, our 10-year-olds today aren't doing what you did because they don't have to, but, like, right. the strength of character that people have when they're yeah. thrown into those situations, and also about this Boston family that adopted you. Yes. Um, yeah. So there are, there are so many good, yeah. good, good people in this world that are, are there to help. Absolutely. I think, you know, I love your uh, theme for today, Curate Possibilities, yeah. because this family that adopted my family did that for us, mm-hmm. yeah. right? They made... They made this life possible for my family, and so much of my life and so much of my career has been about mm-hmm. paying that forward, right? And and getting people to yes, mm-hmm. getting right. people connecting people to those opportunities, right? And by the way, the theme curate possibilities came from yeah. well, from one of your quotes that I read, and like it really, I love that, it's, and it's so true. Like you gotta Thank get you. out there. Was and, that on my LinkedIn? Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> you gotta get out there and create and curate possibilities. Wow, I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> And, you know, I was only in sixth grade when you still get canceled for a week. I watched that. 
If anyone wants to know what she looks like in sixth grade, just go to no, the Live Girl Home page www.girlivegirl.org because the picture is still there with braces and I'm so cute. You were a powerhouse in sixth grade. Olivia, <laughs> so funny. Anyway, I remember your passion for baseball and softball and your analogy of taking swings. Mm-hmm. So can you remind us a little of yes. your philosophy? Yes. Um, so I love sports. I love I love baseball. I love softball. I grew up playing baseball yeah. with the boys first until I was about 13 when the boys got bigger and stronger and faster. And I really couldn't compete because I was probably the same size as I am now, 4'11". Um, but I remember converting, having to move and shift to softball because it was just naturally something that I could do for much longer than baseball. And um, I remember I had already built this brand for myself as being super fast, the number one, you know, base dealer. And I was this made out to be this powerhouse, right? So when I switched over to softball, I think, oh my God, I have this brand I have to live up to. Right. What if I stink and what if, <laughs> what if I'm not as good as yeah. everyone made me out to be? I had all these fears and these doubts and insecurities. And then I remember stepping out to, uh, stepping in the batter's box for the first time in softball and thinking, oh my God, uh, <laughs> what if I don't hit the ball? <laughs> And I remember just stepping out of the box. And you know in baseball and softball, when you step out of the box, it's an automatic out. Right. Right. And it was like that every time. And I thought, holy cow, I've got to get over this. I've got to really shift my m- mindset. The ball is bigger. There's more surface area. <laughs> I should be able to hit it. And my coach pulled me aside after several strikeouts um, and said, you know, you miss every shot you don't take. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's only really three ways to get on base. Either you... Hit the ball, or you uh, get walked. And to me, getting walked was like putting the control in someone else's hand, right, someone yeah. else's hands, and just waiting for a handout. Yeah, right. Or you get hit with the ball, which to me was, oh, I kind of, I don't want it to be painful. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna hit the ball. And then I just started leaning in and staying in the batter's box, and then just swinging. And I, to this day, I still think about. Okay, there's so much of our life is about yeah. overcoming fears and right. insecurities and finding opportunities to really step up. And my days in softball and baseball is really about, okay, yeah, you can um, overcome those fears, right? You can stay in the box and you can lean in and you can mm-hmm. take swings yeah. because it is impossible to hit the ball if you don't yeah. take swings. Right. It's impossible to, to, uh, to su- succeed if you take, don't take swings at opportunities. Right, right, right. Yeah. It really is yeah. the perfect analogy to why you must embrace the you know the fear of failure Absolutely. And, yeah. and take the swing because there are so many young women sitting in a classroom not raising their hand yeah. because they're afraid that maybe they don't have the right answer or maybe what they're going to say is not important enough. And or, or they're afraid to be exposed. Yeah. Right. They don't know as much right. as yeah. they should. Right. Or right, like I was just afraid that I would be exposed for not being as good as everyone made me out to be, right. like living up to these expectations mm-hmm. that were created for me. You know? It's yeah. it's, so, it's the perfect analogy. And like I said, it, it not only has it stayed with Olivia and I, but We've had so many girls over the years talk about that. Remember that Miss DeAndrea and her story right. about oh, immigrating from Vietnam and learning yeah. finance at age ten. Yes. And you know, really, what that speaks to is is the power of role models. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
And Elle, you may not have realized at the time when you came and shared your story, but you impacted so many young lives. Oh my God. I am so happy to hear that. Oh my God. I had no idea that I thought, oh wow, did I, you know, I got it. Even when I was like presenting to this group of really just amazing girls, I thought the only thing I wanted to achieve that day was that I made some sort of impact that something lasted, you know, some, some, you know, that it was, that I created this moment that really mattered for these girls. But I just, you know, went off and did my own thing, and I just thought, I hope so. Yeah, it's, you know? it's, so, it's yeah. so impactful. Um, so let's talk about your career a little bit at Deloitte. Um, so as I said, we named today's title Curate Possibility based on your quote. <laughs> um, and, and the quote was really that your sweet spot is curating possibilities when obstacles are getting in the way. Yeah. So can you talk about what that means to you, and how do you do that? <clears throat> you know, I've always um, lived by this mantra of just get me to yes, mm-hmm. right? And it's so easy for us to create obstacles for ourselves. It's so much easier to say no, because then your responsibilities end at no. Right. Mm-hmm. And even in my job, um, for what I do at Deloitte, so much of my job is really about connecting my clients to opportunities, like I said before, and then opening up possibilities for them Mm -hmm. and getting them to yes. Mm -hmm. Because so many, I think, so many people find it so much easier to just let it be and sit back and not feel the, um, not wanting to create that impact and not wanting to create more work for themselves. Right. And so one of my, one of my jobs as a consultant is to really take these obstacles and these challenges and these issues, whatever, whatever, whatever it looks like and really converting them to, um, to opportunities. And I do that by, by really inverting the problem, right. turning the problem inside out, upside down, turning those problems or challenges on its side and really taking a diverse look at that obstacle mm-hmm. itself. And then, um, and then tapping into my network of 200,000 people. I mean, I don't call it all of them, but, but that's how large our yeah, right. Deloitte network is, right? Because maybe I haven't seen this issue before before I say no, right? Before I eliminate that, I want to I interview and confer with like my colleagues yeah. and clients, right? Our network of clients and say, hey, right. this is what we're trying to do. How do we get there? Right. Yeah. Right. So it's not just looking at something two dimensionally and saying, no, you can't do that. Or, yeah, but maybe. Mm-hmm. No, it's okay. Yeah, we can. And here are the op- here are your options and here are the consequences. So right. it's always a yes, yeah. but there's always going to be consequences. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Yeah. I love that. And that really speaks to what research shows us is that companies with diverse boards and diverse teams mm-hmm. are more yeah. successful. They're achieving better results because they're able to be more creative. Yeah. 100%. Like, I think what I believe in is I think that um, I have diverse teams. And I know most people know Deloitte as, a, as an accounting firm. We're a professional services firm. Right? We have mm-hmm. consulting. We have tax. We have HR. We have strategies, all of that. But I think that diverse teams are really powerful. I think at the intersection of diversity and diverse thinking yeah. and diverse, mm-hmm. diverse perspectives and viewpoints is innovation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the intersection of all those things, you, you, you arrive at ideas that are really powerful that will require a very diverse yeah. team to execute. Right. Yeah. Right. So 100%. I, I agree yeah. with that. 
And so as a 16-year-old, I'm not like, you know, you mentioned it in like broad strokes, like what a consultant is, but yes. could you tell me more in more detail, like sure. what exactly you do as a consultant? Now you sound like my kids. I'm not, <laughs> what do you do? Like, what do you consult on? Yeah. And why do you get yeah, paid yeah. for telling people what to do all day? I'm like, yeah, kind of. Um, so the best way to describe that, um, and I know I touched on it a little bit, I'm going to steal a line from Damon John. Do you know Damon mm-hmm. John? He's he's on Shark Tank. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Shark Oh, my God, I love it. So he was at, I was in, in Florida, Florida, California that last mm-hmm. week. Um, and it was our client conference where we have thousands of our clients, you know, at our conference. Yeah. And we have workshops and innovation labs and all these wonderful things that we uh, we share with our clients. And we, and Damon John was um was our keynote speaker, right? And he was really funny. He was talking about his life, and he gets on stage and he says, "I don't. I didn't really know what you guys do <laughs> before I got here, before you hired me, right? And y'all are consultants." And I, and he was like, "I didn't know what you guys. What do you consult on?" And he said, "So I learned. This is his words, right? And then I'm stealing this. It's like I learned that what you do as consultants is you basically just do homework for your clients." <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. I love that because yeah. that's exactly yeah. what I do, right? Because it's when a client comes to me with a problem or a challenge, my job is to go out there yeah. and do all that homework for them because they don't have access to the network I do. Right. They don't have access to the technology, mm-hmm. right? And they don't. They may. They could go out and research and go online and hire people to do all these things for them, but we already have that here at Deloitte, right? So. So my job is to do all yeah. that homework for them, present it to them, and a successful consultant, in my view, is not one that gives answers. Right. Right? It's, here are all the possibilities. Yeah. You curate possibilities? Yes, yeah. here are all the possibilities. And I might say, if they decide to go down a route that I, I might, I'm like, I, you know, <laughs> might not, I would say, oh, <laughs> Wouldn't you Here's another possibility. <laughs> well, I would consider this other possibility over here, right? So that's what I do yeah. as a consultant. And it's an amazing thing that I get, you know, compensated for being very much a part of my clients' yeah. decision-making process and really supporting them, you know, and guiding them along to make sure that, you know, that they make a right decision. And that right decision is whatever fits for them or mm-hmm. for them in that moment because as times change, I mean, you guys over five years have grown the wildly, right? right? So five years, that's just, that same issue might look different, feel different, and might require different, more homework. Right, yeah, right, right. So, yeah. right. That's, yeah. that's yeah. a very, like, efficient answer. Like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like so I try to tell that to my kids, I'm like, guys, I'm going to try this on you guys, so that's a good time. I do homework. <laughs> like, well, then I don't want to do a consulting because I want to be doing homework the rest of my life. So, and Al, I have to say, one of the things I admire about you most is how you balance work and life. And so for our listeners, in addition to this big career that we've been talking about, Elle is also a mom of four incredible kids. She also served on the board of the Tiny Miracles Foundation and New Canaan Baseball and Softball. And I have to say, in my corporate background, that was one of the things I struggled with, was looking around and not seeing a lot of women with families able to achieve that work-balanced life. Um, so you really are a role model to me in that oh, way. thank you. And I'd love to just hear more on how you've been able to do it or any you know, lessons learned in this area. 
I mean, I think it's really hard, as you know. Yeah. It's so hard, and, and you were an executive in your company, and, you know, when you look around, yeah, there's not a lot of people, female right. leaders. Uh, and if there are, they're usually single without kids and don't have the obligations, right? right? Or as many obligations. Um, you know, I used to think that, especially as a partner, I used to think that I had to balance work and life. I used to think that if you, like, if I looked at a seesaw and I put work on, on one end and then life on the other end, that it had to be straight. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely not the case at all because I think some days it's going to have to be about my kids and my family, mm-hmm. right? So the seesaw will lean one way. Yeah. And other days it's going to be ha- it's going to have to be about work. Like last week in California, I had to be for my clients. I had to, you know. Yeah. And so over time, I think it balances itself out. But what I've learned is that that integration, work-life integration mm-hmm. is how I make it work. Mm-hmm. So I'll find moments, right, at work where I will integrate mm-hmm. my life. Like, let's just say today, for example, right, our offices are open. I told my team they could work from home. They could, you know, most of their kids are home, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So take the time off and, you know, go away. You right. don't have to show right. up to the office, dial in, do whatever you need to do. Right. And I'm doing the same thing where, you know, I was really excited to see both of you this morning. So this is life for me. Right. Right. Part of my life. And then, um, and then I'm going to jump on the train, go to the city, meet some clients for lunch. Right. Right. And then come back and do yoga, you know, hot yoga down the street. Right. Right. So I just find a way to integrate the two because over time, I think that makes me achieve that wellness that Oprah it's that wellness is how do you how do you integrate the two it's you're never going to achieve 50-50 and the minute you stop thinking that or putting that pressure on yourself to achieve that balance the more you'll feel balanced right right no I think that's so real so thank you for sharing that and I think as we get more women like you in positions of power modeling what you just described, I think it's going to open up all new sorts of possibilities for younger Absolutely. professional women. And I think, I think maybe as if I think back to my younger self as I was, you know, moving up in the firm, and I, I would think, well, you know, I need to do everything by myself. I right. need to be the perfect professional. I need to be the, the perfect partner, the per- perfect mom. And no, that, that that's not that's never going to happen. And I wasn't open to 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 accepting help. Mm-hmm. as much yeah. before and now it's like even when like people would say hey you know if you ever need me to wash your kid yeah I do, <laughs> I, do, I, do, I, do I really do actually if you made eye contact with me and like offer help I would be like yeah 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 sure sure can you have four I mean I think you're going to go four you know it's so like I was very open to it some people stop asking for so long for right so yeah so you have to be very open to receiving the help yeah. giving the help and you'll find you find that it might work a little bit. <laughs> but you know. Yeah, yeah. I always say that, like, my life is very full yes. and fulfilling. Not always organized. Sometimes it's messy. Um, but I've also come to realize that that's kind of how I roll. Yes. Um, because yes. if I have a free hour on any given day, I'll be like, what's going on? Yes. <laughs> I start yes. to get, like, People, like, on the surface, you look like you're all put together. Like, oh, you're always so put together. Like, have you seen me lately? <laughs> a hot mess right here. You know, so... That's so funny. 
So now we have our question from the audience, and today's question was submitted by Sydney Santos, a senior at Sacred Heart University. Um, she asked, do you have any suggested resources on how to become a fearless leader or asking the provocative questions? I love, I love that. I, I see that as two questions. Mm -hmm. yeah. right? I see the first one as being how do you become yeah. a fearless leader and what resources are available to be mm -hmm. that, and then the other one is how do you ask yeah. provocative questions, mm -hmm. right? So I'll answer the first one. Um, there's a book. And I am obsessed with books. I love books. <laughs> There's a book by Brene Brown. Have you heard of Brene Brown? Yes, yeah. love Brene yeah. Brown. Love her. So there's a book called Daring Greatly. And in that book, she talks about how being authentic, um, accepting shame, and being vulnerable can really change the way you connect with people, can really change your relationships with people, and can really change the way you lead. Mm -hmm. um, and overcoming some of your fears right, and insecurities would lead to a better way of um, living your life, I suppose. But that book only validated for me some of the things that I learned along the way. And, and I learned to be a leader. And I wasn't born a leader. I mean, my parents were immigrants, right? Like, um, you know, the, how I learned to be a leader is just from developing my own personal board of directors, mm -hmm. right? So if you look yeah. at if you look at companies, right? Companies have board, uh, you know board of director to help guide them, mm -hmm. help make recommendations, support them in their decisions. Um, and uh, so I formed my own personal board of directors, who consisted of leaders whose ideas and perspectives I enjoyed mm -hmm. listening to. Whose style of leadership I wanted to emulate mm -hmm. and um, and and it, it's nothing formal it's just looking for opportunities to spend time with them to have coffee or right. really just being open and bold about what it is yeah. I'm trying to achieve like I would love to you know I want to be an effective emphatic leader and I love your style right. right and so so could you could we have coffee could we do this could we do that will you help guide me right and then find opportunities and moments where I would take my you know take my ideas to the to my you know mentors and say hey I'm thinking about doing this what do you think knowing what you know about right. me right right and that just evolves over time you know and I mean you're doing that through your program here with the mentors that you have in the program, I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Right. And that's how you become fearless. Right. No, right. no I love that concept. We, we we actually do that exercise with our with our girls, and we call it a board of me. And it really is when you're a teen girl, it's, it's kind yeah. of a first-time exploration to think about, okay, my parents are not the CEO of the board. I'm the, yes. the CEO of the yes. board. And then who do I want in the seats around the table yes. to support me yes. in my journey? And so. even that board has, uh, in my view, has to be diverse. Right. right? I've right. got men. I've got right. women. And I've got people, you know, in various right. disciplines and yeah. jobs and, you know, interests. Right. right? Because right. that helps inform what I want to become. Yeah. Right. Right. And I find... Also, especially with LinkedIn, people people want to help. I mean, one hundred percent. I mean, so you reach out to absolutely people, big people, and they will help you. They will help you. No, they will. Um, the second question is a little bit harder to answer it because I think provocative is different to different people, mm -hmm. and I think that 
the most provocative questions come from a place of authenticity mm-hmm. and vulnerability and really being curious, mm-hmm. right? So if you're genuinely interested in a subject, a topic, in something, you're going to ask really, really insightful questions and really provocative questions because you are so curious right. to learn more, to do more. Um so it's hard to say here are some provocative questions, yeah, but yeah. I think that the questions I've had some really question, crazy questions that have thrown people off because I personally yeah. just want to understand. Right, and, right. And they, it forces those questions force people to really think outside the box. Yeah. Right. Because so much of our what we do tends to be in the box. Like like my my like taking a swing. I spent most of my like sports mm-hmm. career in the box, yeah. and then I, I you know and then. I get to Deloitte, and then my job is to think outside the box and get out of the box. Right. And it's okay to strike out. Right. Right. That's great. So we're coming to the end of our podcast, and we always end by asking all of our guests three standard questions. We call them the three wise women questions. And the first is, what are you obsessed with right now? Like personally? or yeah, just, personally. Oh, my God. I am obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed with so many things. Um I'm obsessed with hot yoga. Oh, okay. Yes, and there's a hot yoga studio down the street. I don't know if you've seen it, Connecticut Power Yoga. Yes, yes. Um, I love the heat. I love what it does for my mind and my body, and I feel like after a long day, and like today in the city when I come back, I'm going to go to hot yoga, and I'm just going to connect my mind to my body and find a way to, to really keep, mm-hmm. to balance myself, and it's really helped to just... Um, you know, help me to reflect on my day and how, you know, right. how I might want to show up tomorrow. Oprah would approve. Yes! <laughs> yes! And I've actually met um, Michelle Obama, by the way. Yeah. She spoke oh, at our partner conference. Yeah, she's incredible. 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 Yes. Who do you consider to be the greatest leader of all time, living or historical? Oh. Past? No, like there's so many. Yeah. No, I can't. I, I we can play the Jeopardy theme song. <laughs> no, no, there's so. I I I I don't. I mean, I it's not anybody that is that it's not anyone that that you you would know. It's not anyone famous. It's okay. It's, it's okay. Yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. It's, it's you know, and I'm being totally authentic about that. So, um, it's my um, adoptive father who mm-hmm. brought me over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. to the states right and I watched him I followed him I shadowed him and much of my you know leadership skills started with him he was my very first chairman of yeah, my right. board of me right yeah. right where I watched him and he was such a fierce leader but he he led with such a big heart oh, and idea. and and it works and a lot of people think you need to be very hard you need to be very you know you, you don't need to be emphatic you don't need right. to no he was the first leader I ever met, yeah. and that kind of that just kind of laid the foundation for me to lead with empathy. Mm-hmm. That's an incredible answer, and because you're right, thank you. I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. I'm like, you're gonna have to cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> it's and if you could have any superpower, Al, what would it be? I would want the power to see the future. Because think about it, right? Like, so much of our anxiety, my anxiety, right, is about the future. Right. Right? And and not not spending so much time in the in the moment and today. Well, that's what yoga helped me to do, right? But it's really about, like, okay, am I going to, are we going to close this deal? 
Right. right? It's the anxiety around that. Will my kids go to Duke? I want my kids to go to Duke. Are they going to succeed at Duke? What are they going to do when they get out of Duke? Right? Like it's just things like that. Yeah, it's right. like the, the power to see the future is what yeah. I would want. And then I could just sit back and just relax and watch it all happen. Right, right. Now the I'll have what she's having section. What are you reading right now? I'm reading I'm obsessed with reading. I'm um, I'm reading Big Magic. By Elizabeth Gilbert, she wrote um, "Eat, Pray, Love." Right, yeah, yeah. and um, this isn't a novel. Uh, this book is is really about um, uh, finding inspiration to live mm-hmm. a very creative life, yeah. and creative not in the sense of art mm-hmm. and It's not that creative. It's creativity is thinking really big, right? Finding yeah. moments in your life to really think big, do big connect more with uh, relationships and you know it's it's such a it's not a how-to book as as much as it is a what if book right imagine the possibilities right imagine the possibilities imagine if you let go of your fear of being judged for writing a blog imagine if you did that Mm -hmm. what happens Mm -hmm. on the other side right right it's so it's like oh kind of like curating possibilities right it's about all the possible creative Outlets that you could find in your life by connecting with yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that. So that's what, what, a what if book. And what are you watching right now? What am I watching? Um, okay, so I know this. I know this series came out in two thousand and seven. I'm a little behind because I've been a little busy. Um, Mad Men. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so people are like, wait, hold on a second. That was like a hundred years ago. You're just watching it now, but I'm very behind. Very behind. I love it. It was good yeah. then, it's good now. Yeah. It's so great <laughs> now because there's so much of, like, I can re- like relate to some right. of what Donald Draper was going through, right? right? And and I love the evolution of the, the women right. in the workforce. Right. Right. right, and how he curated a possibility, right, right, for his secretary to then evolve and become this creative director, right? That's... It's amazing. Yeah. And I don't just watch business movies, right? I mean, all the other stuff is amazing, too. And Yeah, but that's what right. I'm binging on right now. It's like, hold on a second. <laughs> Client, hold on one second. I'm almost done with this episode. <laughs> Who is inspiring you right now? Um, oh, I find so many inspiration. Uh, you know it's, it's another unlikely person mm-hmm. that's um, inspiring me right now. It's a friend of mine, actually, who uh, years ago had uh, cancer. Mm-hmm. And she's a fighter and full of positive energy and talk about being fearless, yeah. right? She just said, you know what? It's not going to stop me. Cancer is right. not going to stop me. I'm going to live my life, and whatever will be, will be. Mm-hmm. And um, she opened two studios, yoga studios, one I'm hugely supportive of. And um, she, I met her 10 years ago when my twins were born at 25 weeks Mm -hmm. at Yale and then they came home and they needed occupational therapy and she was my occupational therapist. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she took care of them, took care of me mentally, right, took care of the kids physically. And then she opened this amazing studio and she's now an entrepreneur, I mean, she's kicked cancer, and she's an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. 
Amy on the phone. Yes. 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 Oh my goodness. She's she's amazing. She's amazing. 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 And I look at it, and I told her she's an inspiration. She's like, I'm an inspiration for you. (laughs) Are you kidding? Like, absolutely. Amy, you're an inspiration for all of us. Uh, Amazing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. She's inspiration. Yes. Well. We could keep going for hours. You're such a delight to talk to. Thank yeah. you again Thank for you coming so back yeah. to Live Girl and Thank sharing you. your story and sharing your wisdom. Um, it's very empowering. I, I I love what you're doing, and I I'm just so grateful that um, you built this hugely successful organization and. I feel so grateful that I'm a part of it. So thank you so much. This is like the highlight of my day. We come long ways. That when you were with us at camp that summer, I think there were 50, 75 girls, and last year we served over fifteen hundred girls in Connecticut, including sixty-five percent girls of color. So it's um we're we're going to keep going until every girl who needs us has access. I'm right there, pushing you you. up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to our audience, can we ask a favor? If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend. And in closing, I'm Sherry. And I'm Olivia. And we hope that you feel more confident after today's episode. This week's challenge is for you to curate possibilities. Have a vision session. Write in a journal, create a video, sketch anything that lets you explore what excites you most.